You're now listening to Off the Collar. Powered by Backswing Golf Events. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Off the Collar. It's your host, Nick Johnson. Unfortunately, Shelby is under the weather, so she's making me run this solo, uh, but I think we'll be okay. I've, I've done a few of these so far, so I'm not too worried. Maybe I'm, I'm a little nervous. I don't know. Um, but our, our guest for this week is hopefully going to calm my nerves. Alexi Salberg, thanks so much for joining us this week. How's, uh, how's Arizona treating you right now? Um, I think that Arizona has been great so far. I'm sure if you ask someone else, they will be sick of the heat, but, uh, I've been traveling the last <laughs> seven weeks. So to get some predictable, nice, sunny weather, I'm, I'm happy with it. Awesome. I have been sweating your last name literally all day because I went to college with a girl that was, her name was Lexi Salzberg. Really? So yeah, I was thinking about that literally all day. I'm like, I'm going to butcher this so bad. So no, you did right, great. check that, check that off the list. We're good to go. Um, but yes, I was literally, I think when I went to your, your profile, I'm like, why do I know this name? Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know there were, there were basically two of us. Well, I'm I'm sure there's probably more. I think I saw something recently where there's like fifty thousand of people with the same name. I don't know how true that is. Instagram for you, Instagram it's probably very true. For me, it's yeah, a hundred. Well, yeah, hundred percent true. Um, <laughs> everyone that Google's my name thinks I'm like a professional baseball player because um, there was like a famous one that played for the Yankees. That's usually the common one. Um, I mean, it's not, a, like, it's not bad to be confused with someone who played for the Yankees. No, no. Um, it's not as bad as Karen Cam thinking I was Ricky Fowler last week. So, <sighs> I mean, it's it when half of my ward, I shouldn't say half, what 99% of my wardrobe is Puma stuff because I was there for five years. Right. It comes with the territory. I literally, I think I have two items that are orange. I can't. I can't do it. It's just, and now, now that he's like wearing the Oakleys, that was my look too, the full on Oakley look. He's, yeah, he's taking my look and I'm taking him, taking him to court for it. Yeah. Um, well, I probably would lose. Yeah, I would definitely. That's all right. Lose. We can, we can do like a who wore it better in, in the magazine of, of I don't think I'm going to win that battle. Mm, I don't know. If you wore it first, no. then maybe you wore it better. No, there's no proof I wore it first. So I, I think I'm losing that battle. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so Lexi, you're from Glencoe, Illinois, yes. originally, right? Yes. Just, yes, I am. just north of Chicago. Yes. Um, so I had a teammate who is from Lake Forest, which is just outside of there, right? Yeah. Just north of it. It's he, so close. Did you ever play Conway Farms? Yes, I have. Up in that area? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's that's my extent. That is literally the extent of my knowledge of that area. <laughs> we, no, he will good. be, he will be listening to this. Perry, uh, Perry, be proud that uh, I remembered Conway Farms. I mean, he also how could told you me like, it? I don't know. I mean, he also told me, isn't that like where Luke Donald plays all the time? And I, yeah, yeah. So, um, but like I said, that's my extent of knowledge for that area. Why don't we? Go back to, to little Lexi and tell us, like, how was it growing up in that area? How did you get started playing golf? Um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So 
really little Lexi originally wanted to be an actress. She wanted to be on Broadway, on TV, in the movies, you name it. Um, and weirdly, one summer, my mom's best friend's family ran a golf camp right down the road from us at Glencoe Golf Club. And so she threw me in the camp for whatever, four weeks was the session. And it wasn't so much that I loved the game of golf right away. It was more younger Lexi loved the teenage boys that were teaching, you know, the classes. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like through that, I honestly became obsessed with golf, like just being competitive all the time and always working to get better and really from there I just just kind of snowballed into you know playing in middle school and then in high school and then I had a bunch of success in high school and then obviously played on in college but it was difficult because it's cold most of the year so mm-hmm. I was hitting a lot of balls indoors on mats which right. you know is so different than hitting on on grass you know you're basically mm-hmm. you basically have perfect impact every time you hit a ball on a mat. Um, Wait, is that, is that why I was hitting it so good on the range today? Like, were you off mats? I was on, I was on straight mats, yeah. Oh, you know what? I needed the ego boost, so I'm just going to say it was me. Okay. Um, but it is funny, like, after hitting ball, I hit balls for, like, a couple hours this morning, and my wrist was, like, bugging me. I was like, oh, maybe I'm getting older, or maybe I'm just hitting off a mat. Um but did you have like didn't don't you have a couple of siblings like was there any sibling rivalry growing up like uh not really so my sister's not that much younger than me and she did golf camp with me as well she is not the athletic type she is way more like creative and artsy so it wasn't really her thing and my brother's about 5 years younger than me so he was just someone who loved all sports so there really was no competition within our family which was actually kind of nice because then you know I got to be the golfer and my sister got to be the fashion girl and my brother was like the king of all sports so it worked out okay (laughs) that's pretty rare I mean I always think that if you have siblings I was well more or less an only child I have a half sister that's uh I think she's like 12 13 years older so we kind of grew up separately um but I'm always envious of those siblings that had that that rivalry, but you guys didn't have that. I I would think there's always like an undertone, even if you don't speak about it out loud. Like you always want to do better than, you know, than the, the other people one. in your family a little bit. I, I don't mean, know. I will say, so my fiance used to play professional golf as well. And since the day we met up until now, anytime we play together, he may not think so, but I get super competitive. And I'm keeping track of, of his score. And so we don't speak on the golf course because if the match is close or, you know, he's beating me or whatever it may be, like I'm locked in, I'm locked and loaded and ready to kick his butt. So there's definitely that underlying, you know, rivalry, but as with my fiance and not with my siblings. So are you guys playing for like who does dishes or who's cooking that night? What's like, what's the wager while you guys are out there? Yeah, usually it's like who pays for groceries next or like if I win, you know, I want him to go take my car for a wash because like it's like I hate doing that. I don't know why. Like little petty things. Um, Mm -hmm. He has to do the laundry if I win or 
I don't know. Okay, something so what, silly. What's the what's the tally right now? How much is how many trips is he taking to the car wash? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. Not enough. Which is why I got new irons. So Okay. I'm uh I'm preparing to take less trips to the car wash myself. Nice. Nice. It's always it's always fun when you get something new. I just um it's technically not new, but I like converted an old putter into like a wrist lock oh. putter, so it feels new. Yep. Oh, it's, I've done that plenty was, of times. It was a. It's kind of like a grip change, right? You get new grips, they feel like new clubs. Yeah. So it's kind of a. It's it's a mental trick more than anything else. What putter? Uh, it's a Cobra. Of course. Tracking. Um. Yeah, but it's just like a a wide, like a wide blade kind of a putter. Yeah. Um. Something I've had some success with, but I realize I haven't been practicing very much. So that wrist lock helps me kind of keep my head on straight. Um, and I had some success. I, I played with it when I was playing professionally. So it was like going back to a an, an ex-girlfriend kind of. <laughs> Maybe not the best way to phrase that. Um, well, it's not a bad the first thing to go back I, to an ex, especially yeah. if they, you know, if you had happy memories with them. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep it at, yeah, at happy memories. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to uh, Northern Illinois University, right, and majored in in marketing. Yeah. Um, what was the overall experience like for you there? I did a little bit of digging and could immediately relate to some of the results you had, and I was like, man, I didn't I didn't have that great of a college career. And not to throw you under the bus or anything, but probably wasn't the, you know, results you were hoping for. Um, but why don't you give us a little bit of an idea of how you chose that school, like how your pro your your years were there? Um, I did see something about like a a couple red shirts in there, so I'm curious about that. Yeah. But go ahead. So originally, I went to the University of Kentucky my freshman year. And I was a walk-on there. Their team was totally stacked. Um, and I really was coming on as a redshirt and really more as a, a, of a developmental year for me. I mean, when you're 18 years old, like you're still a child. When you've never left home before, like you don't really know what is expected of you in the college world, D1, let alone being alone. So the the change, not just in culture, but I guess in environment was, I guess, shocking to me. I tried to balance everything like I thought I could in high school. And it just wasn't a very positive experience for me. So, you know, someone who prides ourselves in, in good grades and good golf, like I was put in a position to where I was really down on myself and my golf got worse. My grades got worse. Like I was super unhappy. I didn't know if I wanted to even play golf in college after the experience I had. And it wasn't until the summer going into my sophomore year that I was playing out at Rich Harvest Farms, which is in Sugar Grove, Illinois, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it's an unbelievable course. They've hosted a Palmer Cup there. They just had a live event there, but I was playing out there with my dad and a family friend and the coach was out there from Northern Illinois. That's their home course. And we had briefly chatted and 
she had sent me an email saying, listen, we have a spot open on our team. I would love for you to come and, and meet the girls and see campus and this and that. And I wasn't really even open to playing golf in college anymore, but I met the girls and they were great. And I saw campus and it was, it was very different than what it was at Kentucky. And, and it just seemed like the experience was just completely opposite. So I decided to give it a go. And so I started freshman year at Northern Illinois and it took me a really long time to kind of regain my confidence on the golf course. Mm-hmm. So I would say that my overall experience was definitely a positive one. I think that the difference in coaching technique, the difference in, you know, the mental training that we got, the difference in the girls on the team, and even in the support of the academics, it helped me build confidence and strength over the four and a half years that I was there to somewhat play to the Mm -hmm. standard that I thought I was going to right out of the gate, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, for sure. It was a Kentucky, a bigger school, NAIU, a smaller school, or are they both relatively large? Um, I think Kentucky's definitely bigger, not by much, mm-hmm. but I think just in general, the national record, like the way that it's nationally recognized is so much larger than Northern Illinois. It's an SEC school. Right. They've got a huge football program, an unbelievable basketball program. Um, I mean, there's no professional sports in Kentucky, so the two main universities are all that anyone cares about over there. Whereas Northern Illinois, it's not on such a grand scale. Right. I think you hit a really good point here where, you know, it, we're seeing it a little bit more and more in our generation and, and younger kids where college is maybe having less and less power behind it. um, Where people are questioning whether it's worth going or, or not. But I think from your experience, and I can relate from my experience, it's creating character in people and trying to figure out how to adapt to certain situations, more so than the education. I feel like you're going to get a solid education wherever you might go. Um, But there are a lot of intangibles and things that you might not be able to predict or... And, and not that you have to predict it. I mean, it's a, a little anecdote from my experience. I was very fortunate that I had a recruiter help me figure out where to play golf. That I started kind of late. Like, I don't think I started playing AJGA stuff till I was like 16. So that's pretty darn late in terms of junior golf. And the recruiter I had, he was like a third-party guy who would basically like, direct each person he would have under his wing and which way to go. And he's like, you're starting like very, very late. You need to just play. You need to find somewhere where you can play. And I had plenty of like D1, D2 schools reach out to me. I ended up going to a D3, but golf is so different Mm -hmm. where it's like you can, we were so competitive with those D1, D2 schools. Like I didn't, um, I didn't really play any D3 tournaments until it was like conference or nationals. Like there wasn't 
any tournament that was D3, we would always play up and we would smoke all those teams that they would hate us because our ranking would go like this and their ranking would just right. put it. But the point of it being is I was put in a path to like find somewhere where I could develop. And I think that's what you you experienced going NI, NIU. And, and even I made mistakes. I mean, there was a year, my sophomore year, that I basically failed two classes and had a terrible season, like had to reevaluate things on a dime. I luckily somehow graduated. Literally, I remember to this day, I signed like a paper saying 126 credits and I had exactly 126 credits, like couldn't cut it any closer. But I think it's that experience that has molded me into this craziness a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's craziness, but it's definitely crazy. I think you get what I'm saying. It's like there's little things in life that you don't know are going to push you in one way or another. Right. And, you know, talk a little bit about, well, this is something I, I want to talk about as well. We all have this like fear, this, this FOMO that I, I hate the fact that I'm saying that, but everybody knows what it means now. Um, Fear of missing out for any of my uh, any anyone that doesn't know what that is, but I would think most people know that it is at this point, and it's a combination of not achieving what you expected. I think is a big part of it. I mean, for me, I always had this plan that I was going to play professionally, or I was going to go to Q school at age twenty-five, and then you know, I don't think I ever had it really planned out. Like I always thought golf was it that was the only thing I was going to do and now that I'm a little bit older I wish I had prepared for any sort of path I could have taken like my cousin just graduated from college which is crazy he was born in 2000 which That's is the weirdest so thing weird. I can't it makes me nauseous it's, it's nauseating it. it really is nauseating yeah um but he got a job his like after his junior year of college which is ridiculous to me, but he he set a path, and he knew his, exactly what his path was, but he set a path, did internships, like I never did any of that right. stuff, never even crossed my mind, right. um, and I was always going to play golf, but now that I'm, like I said, a little bit older, I wish I had at least taken those, those precautions. <laughs> And we we live and we learn. We're gonna be we're gonna be fine at the end of the day. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts because you know you're you're on the social media side and marketing too. I think social media can be a little bit toxic in that as well, where you know you see only good stuff on social media for the most part. Um, like I probably intentionally try to find some things that aren't so good sometimes to give me some balance, but like. I joined a, I, I was at a country club base in my entire life, like very fortunate. And I joined at age 23 just because I had to. But I always think how fortunate I am to do that, but how different that is from any of my peers. Like who's joining a country club at age 23 and I was, I've basically been there my entire life and I'm seeing my friends and everyone else that didn't play professional golf or really anything 
in that realm and they're going on trips or they're doing this mm-hmm. or they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, all my expendable income is going towards mm-hmm. this dream. Right. Um, so where do you think I'll, I'll go into your story? Cause I th- kind of rambled on there. A little no, bit. no, I I'm but, loving everything you're saying just cause I can relate to it so much. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about how, your path has changed because it, it feels like from some of the stuff I've I've researched on you, your path has changed like 15 <laughs> times. So, <laughs> um, you're probably our first bodybuilder on here. Um, and it's so cool that you did that. It makes me, I mean, I was, I was doing pushups like an hour ago to be like, I gotta, I gotta up my game it's a little so bit. It's so funny. But, um, yeah, no, I'll talk. I mean, my path has really taken lefts and rights and ups and downs. And I was just like you, you know, when I decided I wanted to play in college, like that's all I could think about was going to college and then turning pro and playing professional golf. And like, that was it. One of my closest friends who's from Arizona, she's on the LPGA and I just looked up to her so much and wanted to follow exactly in her footsteps and be on tour together and, you know, live this, life that 0.01% of the world gets to live. And obviously that's not life. You know, things change and competition got better. Girls got better. I mean, life circumstances got were different, but I guess I'll go back to how I even got into bodybuilding first. Um, okay. Cause that was like my first real change of direction. So I was in college. I was a senior. I was taking my fifth year and I was not very happy with how I was playing. I wasn't very confident in the fact that I was going to be able to even truly fully commit to playing professional golf because I had really proven to myself that I was good enough, let alone disciplined enough to do it. And in that time, I had truly fallen in love with lifting and the gym and fitness and health and nutrition and all those things. And one of my friends who actually played soccer at Northern had just finished a competition. So I called her and we talked about it and asked her, you know, what she learned, what she liked, this and that. And I reached out to her coach and said, I, you know, will you coach me? I want to try this. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what the next year was going to bring, but I basically just jumped in head first, eyes closed, didn't know anything. And basically, you know, you start in a bulk, you lift really heavy, you eat a lot, you gain a lot of weight, and then you go into a maintenance period where you're still lifting heavy and still eating a lot, but just not as much as before. And then as you start to really get into your cut down to the days before the show is when the mental tenacity really has to kick in. Physically and mentally, really. And you get to a point where you're so depleted of nutrition, of essential vitamins and minerals and and water even, that you have to be able to mentally bring yourself out of this downward spiral to get yourself to show day to be able to basically show all this work that you've done over the last year. Right. And I knew that if I had finished the bodybuilding, 
I was mentally strong enough and definitely physically strong enough to go and try and achieve playing professional golf. So, so give me the timeline on like how long you trained for like the show, right? Um, and then what, can you break down like, did you have, I assume you have like a set schedule from every hour broken down, like, so what, what did that look like? So from Thanksgiving of 2018 through spring of 2019, it was very relaxed per se. I got six meals a day, you know, broken down to the gram of how much I should eat. My workouts were super fun, really heavy, fun lifts. And the rest of the time, I got to do whatever I wanted. I got to play golf. I finished up school. I got to be, you know, with family and friends and whatnot. And then from March to about July was a little bit more stricter. I had to up some cardio. I was in the gym for like probably close to two hours. My food got a lot stricter, but I was still eating like five meals a day. And my my ability to go and hang out with my friends or my family was still there, but I just didn't want to because it wasn't fun. I couldn't partake in the social intricacies of, right. of those activities, like going out to eat or drinking or whatever it may be. And then from... August to the end of September was complete isolation for me. So it was fasted cardio in the morning. It was breakfast and then a lift and then cardio after the lift and then sauna and steam. And then it was core and stretching. And then it was another meal. And then it was bedtime or posing practice. And then you like, you know, you do it all over again every day until the show day. So it was, it looked a lot different in each stage, but I would say it was pretty much like a full year of everything together. Got it. The big question is, did you pick up any distance after this whole thing? Like, I hope so. <laughs> to be honest, I lost a lot of strength by the end. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I was, I mean, you're so depleted by the end that you just don't really have the strength to hit it the way you do when you're normal. Right. Right. So then really I had to reverse back out of that and learn how to regain speed and strength in my golf swing. Okay. Interesting. I, I have a, a teammate that between seasons like bulked up because he was trying to hit it further, yeah. but didn't do any speed training, hmm. like just literally bulked up. And he came back, and he was definitely sizable, <laughs> um, but he was hitting it shorter than all of us. I was like, "Awesome, yeah, you you look great, you look great, man. Happy for you." But I'm still hitting it 15 bucks. Right, and but that's probably because when you're when you're doing such heavy like Olympic like lifting, you become so inflexible and really immobile. Right. Like it's the functional right. fitness and the, you know, the plyometrics and, and Pilates and stretching and things like that, that really help you launch the ball farther. Right. Right. Well, it's, it's for aesthetics, right? It's not yeah. necessarily for functionality. I mean, I'm sure there's athleticism, don't get me wrong, but it's not for, you know, it's not the same training that a hockey player would go Correct. through or, you know, a basketball player would go through. 
Um, but it's fun. It's something that people that I don't think pay attention to a lot. And I'm going off on the bodybuilding a little bit, but how difficult it is to sustain a high level in golf. Like I was never a guy that could work out and golf. Like I could do it, but I had to golf first and then work out later. Oh, okay. If I worked out before, I'd have no energy to go play golf. My swing would be absolutely trash. And I don't know how these guys, you see it all the time. They'll go do a workout before they're around, like in a major championship. And I'm like, I don't think I could even muster up any energy to do that. Obviously, they've trained their body this way. Um, But I don't think, and this is kind of going back to how we balanced ourselves at college. Like it was one of the hardest things to do was being an athlete and school at the Mm -hmm. same time. I still don't know how, I don't know how I Mm -hmm. did it. Um, A lot of caffeine, a lot of Red Bull probably. (laughs) A lot of like 20 minute naps (laughs) in between classes. Yeah. I was a professional napper by middle of freshman year. Um, I think actually, now that I think about it, my freshman year, I'd have classes until like, I want to say like one thirty, and practice was at two. So I would take like a 20 minute nap and then practice was 10 minutes away. So it was definitely, it's definitely, you're not wrong. You're, you're pretty on, on the nose there. Um, but I don't think golfers get enough credit in terms of how long it takes, not only just to practice golf, you're, you know, when you're practicing, if you played 18 holes, there's five hours gone. And then you're probably hitting balls on top of that. That's another hour and a half or two if you're doing it like we were. <clears throat> Short game is probably another hour. So what is that, seven hours? And there's probably two or three more hours out there you could squeeze in if you really wanted to. Like when I was playing professionally, it would be that. Um, and then you got to somehow go to the gym, somehow do all your homework if you were in school at the time. Um, I mean, I'm sure when you're <clears throat> at that level, you're doing probably mental homework, right? Yeah. To give yourself some sort of an edge. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lot of energy. And all these guys that are out there on tour doing it um, have families. Like Jason Day has a family of four or five. I don't know. He only has two hands. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Um, it's just, I, I need to probably figure out how I can get my energy level a little bit higher, I guess. Um, but I think it needs to, we need to get golfers more credit somehow. I agree. Um, I, I totally agree. And to be honest, like it's golf's a very interesting sport. You know, you can pick it apart a million different ways, but everyone is so different and unique. And the, I think the hardest part though, is like actually figuring out what works best for you and you only like, it's great to look at what other people do and say, Oh, you know, they're top ranked, you know, fifth in the world. Like I should emulate myself after, after them, but what works for number five in the world might not work for you. And maybe getting a workout in before a round helps them, but to you, it's completely exhausting. So it's so interesting. Like, and that was the hardest part about playing professionally. I think it's like, you see all of these other girls, like, practicing hours before a round, which 
I never really did. But when I saw it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should be hitting balls for two hours, like before a round or, you know, these things that pop into your head that you never thought of. But now you see other people do them and you're like, hmm, should I do that? Will that make me better? Like, and then you're kind of losing sight of who you are as a player and what's really going to make you drive the most out on the golf course. And like, that's the hardest part, I think, is that what the pros have really harnessed is figuring out what's best for them and sticking to it and putting on blinders and like not really focusing on what anyone else is doing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. How do you, how do you figure out, you know, what works best for you? I've, there's so many books out there. There's so many different ways of teaching. Um, you know, for me, I've never been like a practicer, like I'll do it, but I always preferred to go play. I feel like I always got the most out of that where, you know, we at my senior year, we had the number one player in the nation on our team and he was a range rat. He would never go play. So you're always questioning, like, is that the way I want to go? It worked great for him. That guy hit every fairway and hit it 320 yards for seven, eight straight months. I still remember watching him on the range. I was just like, He's asking me to watch his swing. I'm like, dude. Like, there's nothing why, to fix why, here. What, what am I? What am I watching yeah. here? Am I? Are you just trying to show up? Like, he's not that kind of guy. And he, if he's listening, and I heard he's actually listened to every episode, so he's definitely going to listen to this one. <laughs> but he, um, he, he <laughs> my, uh, my teammates have been giving me a lot of shit since I started this podcast. So that's a lot of the fun fun for me at least that is fun Um, you should have one of them on and grill them yeah I thought about it I met with one of them for a drink the other day and the first thing he did was like try to spark some controversy um for the for the podcast he wanted to talk about the the ball like rollback and we had two I don't know if we had two different opinions I think he just took the opposite opinion of what my opinion was so he can start some shit up that's so funny um but we will we will have to have um, a boys episode at at some point. I don't know, I don't know when. We're always on crazy busy schedules, so um, but we'll we'll have to definitely do it. I want to I want to do it with the. We need to do a backswing one with multiple backswingers. I know you guys were at some some girls night out last night i should have called in and just been like a fly on the wall Uh, we should have like propped (laughs) you up on a little tripod on the table like as if you were having dinner with us yeah yeah or just just hand me to the waiter and i'll I'll just order for (laughs) right and then it comes to the table and everyone's like "Mm, i can't eat that i can't have that (laughs) how does how does a a a dinner or i guess you guys have had a dinner right so how does a dinner with five backswingers go is there oh my um, gosh a lot of gossip is there like it's so I, mean, I can't stop i can't stop looking at the ring by the way congratulations oh, on, on the wedding coming thank up you. It, it, you keep showing you I? keep showing it to the camera so i it's, don't mean to i'm sure it's oh, i'm sure you do <laughs> no i'm I, sure you do it's like uh it's like old news my sister got engaged like two weeks ago so that's like the new news so <laughs> Okay. enough about me <laughs> uh, thank you so much I appreciate that we're very excited um, but no so a backswing dinner at least with the girls that were there last night it is a lot of chatting like 
there's probably three conversations going on at one time and then and then they are intermingling. So like you're in a conversation with someone, but you overhear someone saying something else. So you're going to add into that conversation. But then this person is going to talk to this person over here. And it's just like, yada, yada, right. yada, yada. It is, it's so fun. It's just, what when you aren't in college anymore, like, and you live alone or you live with your partner or like whomever, like you don't <laughs> get that t- girl time anymore. And so it's just like really right. nice to just scream and like be loud and not have anyone tell you like, shh, you're hurting my ears. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. I'm, it's making me think. Have you seen since you're a former actress, the actors like roundtable? Yes. It was like there's like a famous one with like Tom yep. Hanks and like Robert Nero, all those guys. Maybe we should do a backswing roundtable. I think we just plant a. We could put this microphone right in the middle of the table. Well, we might need a couple actually. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna definitely gonna be like there'd be so much back. Yes. That would be, be so much back and forth. So much fun, and honestly, I don't know what would be said. I just feel like everyone has their own unique, vibrant personality, and sometimes it's just like you never know what what's gonna happen when it's it's it could be a, it yeah. could be a hot episode. I I like that idea. I can be the moderator and be like a neutral party, and bring some some hot topics. In. Yeah, or you can or okay. you can start some have... shit and bring bring in the other. I, oh, opinion. I would def. I would definitely start some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, I think it would be fun to see what would happen. So maybe we'll uh, we'll get this going. I will be hopefully in Arizona soon. I don't know. It's hot there. It's hot here. I just want to not be in any heat for like just a day would be great. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I've been sweating this entire episode. So. No, I cannot um, tell. You look you look cool <laughs> as a cucumber to me. Great, that filter is working it, wonders. Yes, it um, really is. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the lowest energy usage episode I've done. So I don't have any lights on in my house except for this thing back here and then my fancy little ring light. So we're saving energy, um, trying to be sustainable. There you go. I also have a lot of my stuff in boxes, so that's part of the problem. But um Let's uh let's see how much are are we doing on time? Let's get into like a couple of shotgun spinner questions. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so for the audience out there that haven't seen our episodes or aren't watching this video right now, we have a little uh, wheel of fortune type spinner that I may or may not have bought on Amazon <laughs> um, that has thirteen different topics on it, uh, and we'll kind of just see what happens. So let's give it a, a quick spin here. Um, Shelby and I are not convinced this thing isn't rigged because it goes to a lot of the same topics. So um, travel. So what are some things that are travel essentials for you? Like for me, I always need my massage gun. Like that has to come with me at all times. Laptop is always a cop out, I think. So don't say laptop. But give us a couple travel essentials and then, then maybe some like some hidden gems that you think might help some people out? Okay. Well, I mean, I usually never travel without my golf clubs, but like that's kind of a given. So we'll push that one aside. Um, I am always traveling with food. Always. Okay. Like, I think I have this, which is horrible, but I have this irrational fear of being hungry. 
Yep. Like even they give you free snacks on the plane or like you can buy an overpriced snack in the airport. Like that's fine. But like, no, like I need ample amounts of choices at any point in time in yeah. the time of my traveling. So, you know. And you, and you know you have them with oh, you. Like that's the big thing too, right? <laughs> it like makes me feel very safe. It, it's literally right. like a hug, which is so cheesy, but it's so true. So I always have food on me, like whether it's, you know, protein bars or jerky sticks or chips or gum or whatever. Always have food. Um, a foam roller. Always bring a foam roller. I have one that like kind of collapses flat so I can put it in a suitcase, which is super convenient. Awesome. Yeah, super convenient, but it saves me. You sit on the plane for however long and when you walk off, like your blood needs to recirculate. You're like, your body's been stiff from sitting for forever, for however long. Like the foam roller is a must. I would say. So I already know the answer. I already know the answer to this. Okay. But if you're given a choice to sit on a plane or be like strapped to the side of it where you're standing, <laughs> would you prefer, which one would you prefer? Because <laughs> I think I would pick the standing would, option because I hate sitting. 100%. I would pick the standing option. I have dreams. This is so weird that I'm like admitting this, but I have dreams where you're allowed to go outside while you're in the air on the plane. So like I open the window <laughs> and I like crawl out and I like sit on the wing as we're like in the air. But like in my dream, I can hear the wind like, <gasps> like in my face, my face is like this, and like my hair is you're like this. You're just going out for a stroll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would definitely pick strapped to the plane standing, 100%. One of the worst things that would happen to me is whenever I was traveling, like I was always driving probably 99% of the time, and I'd always get like a leg cramp. So I have a little ball, mm -hmm. like it actually is electronic and like vibrates, mm -hmm. but it's a little like hyperized ball, and I have to throw it underneath my leg if my dry well it depends on how i'm sitting if i have the way i'm sitting right i'm usually okay but most of the time i fuck it up so <laughs> it's like probably three hours in and then i start feeling it like tighten up and my family makes fun of me all the time for it because i'm like a 30 year old man with an 80 year old yeah. body but i have the same ball i have the same issue like it's real it's real life for a golfer okay that makes me feel a little yeah. better um sorry go ahead no. any other travel travel tips if you're going to travel with someone this is my biggest tip is that make sure that if they're a friend they are someone that you will not get sick of and if they're not a friend someone that you can tolerate because if you're with someone that you can't tolerate that's not really a friend you're not going to play well. Your mind isn't going to be in the right spot. And if you're traveling with a friend that you won't, that you're going to get sick of, it's going to ruin your friendship and you're going to play like crap. So it's just yep. not a good, not a good way to be. So if you're going to travel you need, you with need someone, some good, you need some good juju. You need some good vibes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, I can vouch for that. That makes sense. Some of my, best events or when I'm like not even paying attention to the golf because of who I'm with mm -hmm. or where I am. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I, I can definitely, 
I feel that that was oddly specific towards somebody, though. Well, <laughs> I feel like that something happened recently. No, <laughs> no. I when I was playing professional golf, I traveled with my best friend, and it was just like the best combination possible. We never ever like had an, had an altercation or a tiff or a fight or anything. Like we just like totally understood each other, like our needs when we needed to be alone when we needed to not talk in the car in like our eight hour drives. Like it was just perfect. And I can't imagine traveling with someone who I love, but like can't tolerate. It'd be, it'd be horrible. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's very key. Whoever you have in the passenger seat with you, like it's, it's really important. Like I'll, I'll give you a quick anecdote. So I drove out from San Diego, from San Diego to Austin with my sister who both of us, like she's my best friend, hands down. Oh, like, I love she's that. the biggest dork. Um, and we're both, we both consider ourselves professional drivers, like me from traveling. And then she was an event planner in LA. So she's, she knows the routes. Like she knows how to drive. Like it, it was like, we were meant for this drive. So we would take shifts and after, this is my tidbit for anyone driving. You could maybe do it on a flight too. I haven't tried it on a flight, but it's easier when you're driving. So we would high five each other after every hour that we would ah. go. So I think that kept us going. Plus we were like having fun and like talking shit about our lives. But <laughs> that was something we would do every time. And my sister went like, the first nine hours and I was like are you sure you're good to go I'm like yeah okay and then of course me the next day I have to go nine hours now that she's set the bar that high so right, then it gets competitive I think it's 100 percent. yeah but I think the the point is we were able we knew we knew we were going to tolerate each other either way um maybe just because we're we know each other and we're going to go with the flow either like whatever but try it for yourself the high five, set an increment, you know, or I don't know. Maybe it's like one of those things where you give yourself a snack. Oh. <laughs> like every period, like give yourself some incentive. I don't know if that helps. That um, definitely helps. I think it helps. But, That's actually a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got to do that drive here shortly again. But uh, we'll get your hands ready for those not, high fives. It's, yeah. <laughs> to yourself (laughs) Um, yeah um no she's gonna fly out i hope i gotta i gotta keep poking at her be like you're coming to help me right um because we have fun we go try out restaurants on the way and whatever so um that's super fun dude i'm i'm getting so freaking old so i don't know if you noticed i I had this like thing on my i did notice what is that all about so it's called stamina pro have you seen these before Mm. It's like a icy hot patch, but it doesn't have icy hot. It's like, I don't know what it okay. is, but it works better for okay. me. It's anti-inflammation. Oh, love that. So I heard, yeah. So it's it's really, I have one actually on my neck right now. It's you are old. really solid and doesn't have like that menthol like grossness and everything. Um, but I hurt my fingers somehow playing video games. <laughs> playing Call of Duty. I was, I don't know, was going a little... I think that in combination with like typing 
it's like the joint of my finger. I don't know. It's in a weird spot, but it just won't go away. Um, and then hitting balls today probably didn't help. But so odd. Just well, the weirdest things make. I don't know. I feel don't, like don't get old. I'm almost yeah. 32 now, so it's not good. Don't get old, people. Well, I also feel like if you hurt like a a toe or a finger, you don't actually realize how much you use your toes and your fingers until they're hurt. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't do normal things yep. that I would, wouldn't think twice about doing. Yeah. Happens to me all the time. Yeah. But I'm just, I remember as a, well, I remember as a kid, you would see like TV shows or movies or whatever of like older people stubbing their toes. And you would always like laugh at that. And now that I'm getting <laughs> older, I'm like, my, my, amount of toe stubbing has gone way up as I've gotten older. Like it, it's probably at this point, I'm thinking like once every couple of weeks, what? <laughs> it, it happens way more than it should. So, um, funny. so I'd be curious if someone has research out there, I don't know how, how would you even research that? But I would think your stubbing toe amount goes up as you get older and then maybe goes down as you get older, like old, old, like, where you're not walking around just yeah maybe i don't know they we'd have to do like a worldwide massive survey asking people based on their age how many times they stub their toe sounds like a lot it does um so i better get started (laughs) um okay we'll go on to one more topic here and uh i'll let you go thanks for the time i appreciate it thank you for Um, having me this is so fun yeah no problem um Okay, so it went to routine. Oh. So this is kind of some, I mean, depends on how you look at it, I suppose. But, like, let's go into golf routine. Mm -hmm. So I think something that's super important is having a consistent, not only, like, practice routine, but while you're playing, having that consistency, right? It's like when you're, if you were a basketball player taking a free throw, you do the same thing every single time, right? For me, what's something I do every single time? Uh, Putting, I have like the same walk-in that I've had probably for 10 years now. Like it's pretty much the same. I clean the face of my putter, walk into it, and then set my feet looking at the hole and then pull the trigger and go. Like that's pretty much been it the whole time. There's maybe been some iterations here and there, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, so what do you got for my routine? Well, I've actually seen a couple of mental coaches about this when I was younger and it was interesting because we would come up with like three mantras of what I would say behind the ball. And then as I'm finishing the last sentence, I'm walking into the ball. I do like, I have a little waggle before, but I would, it wouldn't be consistent of how many times I would waggle it. So I would, I waggle now like three times and then I set the club on the ground and then I go, and that's like my trigger. And Mm -hmm. I just did it for so long that I don't even think about it anymore. I just, I say the things in my head. I walk up, I waggle, I go. And I mean, sometimes like my tempo was off if I rushed through it or, you know, I just didn't make that good of a swing. But in terms of routine, that's just something I found worked for me and takes my mind completely off of like the mechanics of the swing. 
Because that's right. my biggest issue, really, is anything iron-based. For some reason, though, like with the driver or the putter, I don't even know if I do the same thing every time. I just think I'm so confident in those two parts of the bread of the sandwich, if you want to go ahead and say, that I mm-hmm. just kind of do whatever feels right in the moment. Right. Well, there, there's another thing. Like You found something you're confident in, so you don't even think about it. Right. It's maybe because you think about it a little bit more and it's something that just comes with playing. And and I've had so many people come up to me on my side hustle, like ask me for golf advice. It's like you just got to at the end of the day, you kind of just got to put the work in and figure out whatever is going to come out of it, Um, you know, and my dad's probably the one I've helped out the most in terms of this stuff. And he's always had like a little bit of an issue with the driver. I'm like, dude, your driver looks fine. You just think there's something wrong. Just get up and hit it. Like a lot of the time that works out pretty darn well. <laughs> like there was one thing I did, um, who I should have on the podcast at some point, Robert Lang, who is a former NHL player, really good golfer, a member at my club back in San Diego. And once in a while we'll go out on the course and work on driver because we don't have a range that has like enough room for driver. So we'll go out and he'll bring like a dozen balls and we'll go work on some things. And there, I remember it to a T there's a whole 15 that's like pretty close to the ocean. And the guy is a big, a big fisher. So I know he has some connection with water. Um, but his, driver swing looked totally fine but he was like totally in his head and just couldn't figure it out and i i took the driver away from him and i'm like i turned him towards the water and there's a boat out there i'm like stare at that boat for 30 seconds and then i turned him around hand him the driver and go hit it and he striped it right down the middle i'm like there's nothing wrong you just have to commit to whatever you're doing Um, get out of your own head and get out of your own way it's like not just for golf, but like in life in general, like whenever you feel stuck, life, you yeah. just have to like take a, take a beat, take a moment, yeah. remove yourself from the situation, get back in it and just do what your gut says. Yeah. It, it's easier said than done. Oh, hundred I mean, percent. But like, we all, we all have our faults, but it's like, you got to recognize it at some point. It's like, maybe I'm thinking about this a little too much. And that's probably for me, one of the hardest things in golf to just let it go. Just like, and who was it I saw recently? I think it was Steph Curry. I think it was Steph Curry on like Hot Ones. He was talking about being on a heater Mm -hmm. and like if he feels it when he's on a heater. And I think he just said, I just know when I am, which is such an interesting, he doesn't try to poke at it, which I think is something that I tend to, tend to do is like oh i'm you know really feeling this part of my game or that part of my game but i want to figure out why i'm feeling it i'm like maybe you don't need to maybe it's okay to just let it be right um i don't know it's something that something i think with the way golfers are brought up because there are so many ways that you can dissect it and i think there's another quote from like jack nicholas it was like it is the or maybe it's honor palmer 
it's like the simplest, hardest game there is. Yes. Like just once you get to a certain point, I think for someone at our level or even a bit higher, it gets to be at a point where it's less and less of stuff that you would work on. It's almost just working on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I went a little deeper than I thought. No, I, was I love that. that. No, I really, I, I really love that. And I think just to go off of you going a little bit deeper is that that's kind of the beauty of golf. And even though like you and I, I can't really speak for you, but from what we talked about a little bit earlier, like didn't really achieve what we thought we were going to in the golf world. Like it's still, at least for me, taught me so many life lessons such as that, you know, such as you mm -hmm. just have to let it go sometimes. Like I know yeah. it's in there. It's just not the time right now. And you know, the thought or the feeling or whatever will come back eventually. And I'll take it up on that opportunity when it comes, but to just like take a moment and, and reset, I think is super important, not just in golf, but like in everything in life. Yeah. I, I think, uh, for golfers, especially we all have that thought, especially when we're, you're a professional golfer, it only takes one good week. Yeah. Right. Maybe we need to have that. There's another, another idea for a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> but it only takes, <laughs> it only takes one good week. And I think we all have that mentality as golfers that, you know, even at a lower amateur level, everyone always talks about it. It's like you could be playing horribly and it just takes one shot to like click in and you're, you're sucked right back in. Right. Um, but it's not over. We still got time. I got tournaments I'm signing up oh, for at some point. Um, I shouldn't say that out loud because <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but, uh, somewhere in the future, I tried to sign up. Yeah, it's out. It's out. I could it's see it. There. It's out there. Um, one tidbit for anyone trying to play in a Texas tournament and they have a gin in California, you got to get a Texas gin, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Do you really? Um, yeah. Yeah. You have to have a Texas. It's like having a Texas license plate. It doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't. Texas I try is to sign own. up for the Texas State Am. They're their own They're their country own, yes, at this point. Yes. Um, yeah, I was so shocked. I'm like, dude, I'll pay. <laughs> I'll pay for the tournament. You're not going to let me in because I have a California gin. What difference does that make? I'll still go play. Like, what was the answer? I would that I had to have a Texas handicap. That's so bizarre. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand the pushback on that. It's like, okay what's the worst case scenario that I get into the tournament, I go win and then they're handing me the trophy and they're like, Oh, he has a California handicap. He wasn't <laughs> like, I don't like understand. You eligible? I don't know. It's just golf at the end of the day. Uh, just, just let me in. I just want to play. Yeah. Uh, I just want to play. Um, anyway. Uh, well, Lexi, thanks so much for being on this episode. I do appreciate the time. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely me. have to go down that round table idea. I definitely think there's something there. Um, so might be making a, a trip out to Arizona yes. here, here shortly. That would be that would be um, awesome. Or we can even like mic up on the golf course and play a match or something. Yes. If you really want to get into 
the backswing girls and and what what, what where, who yeah. we really are. It's it's us on the golf course for sure. You, you're letting the cat out of the bag. I already have that stuff kind of planned out. So um, I have tested out some encore stuff, which we will be doing here shortly. The the funny thing about that is you need your microphones to work properly when you go and do that. Isn't that funny? You need the audio to come out because when it doesn't, it doesn't work very well. Right. Isn't this um, such a weird idea? Yeah. Maybe I can just make it like olden days where there's no sound and there's just like subtitles. Um, I don't think that's very good. Uh, that's not very watchable. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, but yes, we will do some encore stuff here shortly. Another reason I am getting out of this podunk Austin town. <laughs> Got to get myself back to where there's actual golf courses and it's not 90 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. Arizona's still hot. It is hot. But at least, I don't know. It's still doable in my mind. And it's only... Because Arizona's the best. You can probably that's a topic disagree. For another, it's a topic for another conversation. Probably shouldn't have started that one. We'll, we'll put that one aside for next time. Next time. All right. Next episode is going to be on Arizona versus everywhere else. Yeah. Um, anyway, for our listeners out there, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode of Off the Collar. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, and wherever else our stuff is available. We'll see you on the next episode. Yeah. This has been Off the Collar. Powered by Backswing Golf Events.